Welcome to Season 4, Episode 27 of Pump Talk CS. It's Saturday, May 28th. We had a lot of playoff hockey. We had a lot of semifinal series action. We saw some of those series end. Steve, how are you doing on this fine morning? I'm doing great, Chaz. I'm doing great. Hopefully, you're doing as good as I am. And I just got to say that these playoffs have been amazing. Round two. Now, listen, we may have all wanted a game six and game seven, but most of these games ending in games five or game six, the CD series have been way, way, way closer than they actually have. Even a couple games in the Florida and Tampa series, um, I could think of two games where these games were really low scoring uh, up into the third period before Tampa really took control of these games. Um, so again, and even the game four in that series was really, really close. So these games are really, really tight, even though we're not getting game seven. Still great series. We're going to jump into all of them today. So let's talk some puck. Steve, let's start with the Battle of Alberta. It finished up two nights ago. There was controversy on the Coleman no goal. What could the Flames have done to win this game and series aside from that situation? Well, I think the Flames needed their big players to come up and step up. And we did see that with the with the Johnny Gaudreau goal. Um, and they needed their top players and their top dogs to run the tables and take over, just like McDavid and Dracidal did. And by the way, I saw a stat with McDavid and Dracidal's points in the playoffs. I mean, their numbers are crazy good. Um, they're insane. That's something to watch. But um, going back to the Battle of Alberta, they just needed to make Mike Smith feel uncomfortable. And uh, they were able to do that when they scored, but they weren't able. McDavid and Josiah did such a great job. McDavid is one of the best players in the league of just taking control. And he did exactly that. When the Flames were able to get in there and get pressure, McDavid would get the puck out and take the puck out, uh, take the puck out of his zone and bring it back into Edmund, uh, Calgary zone. And he did that so well. And I think that was able to uh, shift the tide um, in the game. And I know that the Coleman goal was very, very controversial. For me, yes, the rule does state that if you kick it in, it's a no goal. And to me, that puck was going in either way. If he didn't, if he didn't touch it or not, there's nobody stopping that. Obviously, Mike Smith's not stopping that. And the defenseman there was not stopping that either. So that puck's going in anyway if Coleman doesn't touch it. Um, however, you know, it just, he got unlucky. He was there. He was there at the wrong time. He was getting a little pushback from the defenseman and his skate does touch that puck. And of course, when you're obviously looking at the video, of course he kicked it in, but for me, that puck was going in anyway. So for me, I thought that that was a goal, but obviously when you, when you take a look at the rule, you know, you have, it was kicked in, but I thought the puck was going in anyway, Chavs, you want to jump in here? Yes. Rule 49.2 states the three words that are so controversial and very subjective. Same goes for goaltender interference. Distinct kicking motion, right? Well, what defines the distinct kicking motion? You have an adverb, distinct, kicking, the verb. So how do we decipher if it was the distinct kicking motion? Because to me, it wasn't very distinct in this case. But I'm not the officials on the ice. 
and I'm not the NHL who's going to override the rule in Toronto or the fans in the building or the cameramen that had different views or the editing room that had the, all the different views that you could see, which is ironic because in the Tampa game with the Palat puck out of the, out of the zone, they didn't have a camera view that we could see and it was still overturned. So there's just been, we, we've talked about controversy a lot in the playoffs but actually, I'm going to try and be positive and say this is a good thing for the game uh, because the Flames had a few opportunities to win the series and then also had overtime to win the game. Now, I'm not stating that that sets aside from this one instance, the rule. Where I really feel for Flames fans, for the Flames and I understand the flip side of the coin because what's going to happen is if I start going into it, it pitter patters. It's you go tit for tat. It's like, well, this, well, this, and they're all valid points. Like I've heard both sides. We've seen all the arguments on the internet by now. It's been a few days. He stated that he did direct the puck into the net. He said he didn't know exactly what the rule was. And then he stated that he direct was attempting to direct the puck into the net. And I think that's where he got himself into a little bit of hot water. Uh, as in Blake Coleman, the player who did direct the puck into the net. I think that where it gets dicey is that it was called a goal on the play. And there was no, actually really no question from the announcers on Sportsnet. So if you're a Canadian fan, you're listening to the announcers and Coleman, the, the Flames players that were on the ice are going to the bench and doing the fist bump line. And no one was really questioning. Whereas when we saw in that Carolina Ranger game, as soon as the offside was questioned, the announcers were immediately, their immediate response guided you in the direction that there was the possibility. So with controversy, sometimes as soon as you recognize something, you recognize it. They even stated on the broadcast that they wouldn't have wanted to be the officials to come out and state what this was because it was so such a unique situation now. I think what's going to happen is they're going to amend the rule in the offseason, and they're just going to have to really, or the hope is that they really take the ambiguity and vagueness or subjectivity out of the call. You have to word the ruling a little bit differently. That way it could guide you in more of a fork in the road direction. It was called a goal on the play, and it was overturned. Well, then what overturned it? And that's where I think the frustrations are. So I don't really have a take because I think it's very controversial for a reason. The word controversy exists because of plays like this, because of incidents like this. And I think they're just going to have to amend the rules, Steve-O. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no doubt in this, in this um, series that Conor McDavid was a star, you know, he earned 12 points within this round two. And again, like I said, he is the best at just taking the puck getting out of the zone and just taking the tables there. I'll wait until you can name a defenseman that can stop him because he's just so electric. So what I want to ask you now is, did Connor McDavid steal this series? Or did Jacob Marcher kind of choke here? Because all season long, and when we talked about candidates up for the Vesna, his name was in there. And Marcher had a great season. He really did for Calgary, which is one of the reasons why Calgary was so dominant. But in this series, he looked really uncomfortable, and he gave up a lot of soft goals. Um, so, I, and of course, is no doubt that Markstrom was the better goalie here than Mike Smith. What's your take on this, Travis? 
I think Mike Smith stole a game. And I also think that Markstrom struggled. But I really think we should play the sound recording of what I said after game seven against LA. I said, that's the first time in the postseason we've ever seen Connor McDavid take over a game and take over a series. He, he won them game seven. And I said, if he can do that against the Flames, they have a chance. A lot of the picks from people I admire, credible sources I listen to, Sportsnet podcasts, we heard spitting chicklets day in and day out. We heard TNT's broadcast. We heard ESPN's broadcasting teams. It seemed like the consensus was that the Flames were the top dog, that it was their series to lose. And I think the one belief I had was that if Connor McDavid was going to play like out of his mind, as we've seen in regular season stretches, we've never seen him do this in the postseason. He had a great postseason in 2017. He didn't take over games like this. Neither did Dreisaitl. Three-plus points in four games for him. That's an NHL record. Evander Kane leads the league in goals in the postseason. I mean, he was in the minors a few months ago. The one belief I had was that if Connor McDavid could take over, they would win this series. And I think he stamped his name with the overtime goal. Uh, if it wasn't, if he hadn't done enough already, I think that was, we saw him fully take over a series and, I think that's going to not only propel them, but it's another level we haven't seen him reach, or at least skill-wise, a level we've seen him reach, but never produce like or play like in postseason play. We haven't really gotten enough postseason play out of him. They had that uh, bubble uh, tournament where they played the Blackhawks, and he had a great three games, but they got eliminated. And he did really well in his, I believe, his sophomore season when they played the Ducks. He played amazing, but we haven't seen him at this level. Like we saw this series since game seven against LA, the last six games of his playoff performances have been incredible. The level we didn't expect, but knew we could potentially reach. And now he's reached. I think Connor McDavid took over the series. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think you're right. I would agree with you. Um, I would agree that Connor McDavid definitely ran the tables and took over the series here. And I think that Jacob Markstrom struggled as well. I mean, he gave up a lot of, a lot of soft goals and especially he, he was really bad at defending the lead. Once the flames took uh, the lead or at least tied it to try and get them uh, to get the momentum back on their side, Markstrom would just give up a soft goal, which kind of just blew the any momentum that the flames we're, we're, we're gaining towards, and uh, you, you take a look at games four, you take a look at games five, you take a look at game two. I mean, there was just, there's a lot of goals here in this in this series that I thought that Markstrom, you know, I would say 80% of the time he's making those saves. So, I mean, it was just unfortunate for the Flames, but all around, I thought that was a very good series, Chimes. Agreed. Now we shift our focus to a series that's still going on, in New York versus Carolina. Steve-O, Mika Zibanejad, another playoff performer in the postseason this year that's doing very well. Igor Shesterkin, he's up for the Hart Memorial Trophy and the Vesna Trophy. And besides a few games against Pittsburgh, he's really done well in this series. They've stepped up their play. What player or line do you think needs to step up the most for New York to win game six tonight? Now, when I state that, we all know 
hockey is a team game. You need every line going. You need every player on, on the mark doing what they do best, right? If it's the checking line, if it's a scoring line, if it's a matchup type of line like we saw with the stall line and the Zibanejad line, how they've been shut down by stall, which is the thir third line for Carolina. But which player needs to step up the most? Well, definitely when we take a look at it, uh, one player for me um, that really needs to step up is Chris Kreider. Um, all series long, he's kind of been a no-show in the series for the Rangers. And especially when you take a look at it, he had 52 goals in a regular season. And the Rangers need uh, he, they need him to channel, channel that and bring it uh, for a must-win game six tonight. I also think that they need uh, – Zibanejad's done a really great job this series. Uh, he, he's been great up and down the ice. I think Zibanejad was no doubt will be the best player for the Rangers aside from Shesterkin in game five. But when you take a look at it, game five, the Hurricanes dominated game five. And the Rangers kind of, they, they got a call that you mentioned earlier, overturned the Ryan Strom goal. And I thought that was kind of a turning point that took a lot of momentum out for them. But they all, they just got outplayed. And they they need to prove that they could be successful by, by taking the puck into the zone. Because I thought it's been so weird. I, this series has been so weird, Chives. The home team is just has been in all these games more successful at dumping the puck in the zone and, and getting it and, and getting the, the goal on the board. Um, and I think that the road team has just struggled getting, uh, controlling the puck in the neutral zone. Um, and just overall, the road team's been chasing all around. Uh, and it's just so weird. Uh, I don't know what it is. So we'll see tonight if it continues. Uh, if the if the Hurricanes are the ones that are, are – the ones that are chasing uh, the puck around all game long. But to answer your question, I think definitely Kreider's got to step up and, and definitely Panarin too. I think that Kreider and Panarin will, will have to be the ones that are consistent over the next two games if the Rangers are, are, are going to steal two games and come back and win the series. I think the Rangers, we all know the Rangers have their no, their no quit in New York mentality, and they're going to have to channel that if they're going to have to have another comeback here and them. And, of course, another player that's going to have to step up, who's been great all series long, is, is Igor Shostarkin. You know, he's going to have to be perfect, uh, just like we've seen him in all the other games in the series. And I think the kids are going to have to find a way to contribute as well. You know, the defense is going to have to be active. Uh, they're also going to have to be offensive too. Adam Fox, who looked gassed as ever in game five, uh, he had a bad game five. And of course, that led to the scoring opportunity for Carolina that took to really uh, jump in and, and seal the deal uh, and in the game there. So listen, I think this group has learned a lot already in the postseason, Chives. And I think that they have a chance to show the hockey world just how good they are with this no quit mentality and playing uh, in elimination games. Uh, and I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun game six. My main question for you is, I mean, of course, you could jump in if you have any X factors in this game. But I think that a big turning point in game five was, of course, Aho and Taravainen and, and Shnetsnikov getting on the board and scoring. So do you think that these players for the Hurricanes woke up at the end of game five? Do you think they could bring it here in game six and really give the Rangers trouble? Or do you think their road, uh, their road, um, their road troubles will continue here in game six tonight? Yeah, so we saw how the successes of one, the power play, which struggled and has struggled all year for Carolina. 
special teams was definitely a reason to believe that they can bring that momentum into game six on the road. Now that's a really tough call. I think it's something that sounds similar to a prediction where we can't really make the prediction uh, on how athletes are going to perform based on how they, how they were found success in game five. They'll carry that over. I think the Rangers need to just weather the storm if there's going to be a big push from Carolina on the road. That's rare, though. Typically, we see in the postseason, if a team's feeling really good at home, there's a 10-minute stretch at the start of the game where it's like a wave. They feed off the energy of the crowd, right? And I think two things have not been talked about in the postseason enough. One is about this series and a player, and the other is about the home crowd advantage. One, I talked about Panarin being an X factor. His east-west pass plays are just not working. Why? He's used to system play. He's used to zone, essentially zone coverage uh, defensively through the neutral zone, even. Panarin's used to finding seam passes, and there's no seam passes because he's being covered by a man. That's how Rod Brindamore's defensive system really works. Now, the one thing you'll never know is really how to recognize these systems when they're in action. Because Brindamore's system is so specific to what he wants, he's never going to tell the media how his system's operating because it's like a magician revealing their secrets. But you can see Panarin's not finding steam passes. He's not finding anything on the ice. He's not finding his line mates through scenes because he's used to zone covers where he can pass a puck through three through zone where there's three defenders that could potentially cut off the pass but can't because of the way they're set up in the zone. When he's being covered by a man, he can't do that. I think that's what's led to his struggles this series. And I said he was an X factor because I thought he could be the player that puts the Rangers over the edge, especially how on the flip side of the coin, where we saw Taravon and Svechnikov, Aho, not really contribute that much. Mm -hmm. I think it's a reason to believe after game five that they score on the power play. They started heating up. Sveshnikov scores on a breakaway. They found the back of the net. They smell blood. They're the sharks, right? They're the big dogs. I think they're going to come into game six a lot stronger. I think the second thing that hasn't been talked enough about enough in the postseason is home. the home field advantage is insane. And I truly believe it has to just simply do with the fact that it's post-COVID. All these teams have home field advantage, feeding off the fans. We've been seeing full arenas like this for the postseason in two years, since, since 2019, really, where it felt normal and energizing. And you could see all these home teams are winning, and you could see how they feed off the energy. So I think New York is in a more comfortable position in game six. So tonight, I think they're going to have to shut down those top players from Carolina or keep more of an eye on them. And I think the Rangers are going to have to respond. Their backs are against the wall again. The better players are definitely going to heat up, though. I, I will state to answer your question, Steve, simply, I think Carolina's players are ready to go. Taravainen scored at the end of game five, even though they're losing, and he scored the power play goal, in, or, or I apologize, game four, and scored the power play goal in game five. So I think those top players are starting to warm up, and I think it will carry into game six. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I don't think I definitely the Rangers cannot allow Carolina to play their game or allow them to get comfortable on the road. And they need all their top players to show up tonight. I mean, there's nothing else I need to say more than that. Um, Igor needs to be Igor, and the Rangers. Listen, if they do those points, they protect the Garden. They will be forced in a game seven on Memorial Day. How about that? Um, but so I think Chavs. Uh, one last question here. Um, which one do you think, which one can you see more likely happening? Um, do you think that, uh, would you agree that the team that is able to win a road game will likely win the series, meaning Carolina in game six or the Rangers in game seven, if there were to be a game seven, or do you think the home team winning trend will continue? Which one do you think is more likely here? That's a really great question. I think that. Carolina, I think with the game six and seven, I believe we should take that at least as viewers, take the narrative of the home team winning or the away team winning. I know the stats are there. We've been talking, this is what we talk about every time we're on the podcast. I think we should try and view the game without that kind of cloud over the series because at this point in a series, it's game six or game seven. It's winner takes all in these games. Carolina can win the series today and New York could win the series. If they force a game seven on Monday, I believe it's Monday game seven. If necessary. Yes. Yes. It is Monday. I'm more okay. of them. Yeah. So tonight, Saturday, if, if the Rangers win, they force game seven. I don't think at that point it comes down to who's home and who's away. I know the stats are there. But I, I think that's a cloud kind of narrative that's hanging over the series. And I think we should just view the games and, and see how they go without that narrative. I think after the series is all wrapped up, we can look back and maybe say like, wow, game six, New York won at home and then Carolina won and seven at home and only the home team won every game in the series. That would be the first time in NHL history. It already is the first time in NHL history that every home team has won the uh, home games in a series thus far. So it is a really strong narrative. It's there for a reason because of the stats we see, how well Carolina does on the road versus at home. Uh, Even for the sake of New York, they've only won one road game against Pittsburgh game six, the entire postseason thus far. All the stats are there, but I do think that, I don't think that a game six or seven will, it's do or die. It's game six or seven. I don't, I don't think that the home and away advantage is going to be as strong, but we'll see. I mean, I'm not predicting anything. I, I could totally see where the home team still has the advantage. Yeah, I could definitely, I could, to me, I think the Rangers have more of the advantage at home in a game six and game seven, because in game seven, anything is possible. Um, but I think moving into game six here, Carolina it has been terrible. They've been one of the they've been the worst team, no doubtably, in the playoffs on the road um, throughout this whole playoffs. So I really think the Rangers really need to 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 challenge that. And again, the defense they have to have the same presence that they had in Game Three and Game Four. Come out strong, dominate the forecheck, and just really your stars just got to come out. And we'll see if they're able to do that. And I think that would be a key for them uh, for game six. And the Rangers got to just got to take in and focus on game six for now. You can't be thinking about game seven. And if you're Carolina, you have to do the same thing. You know, you know, you, you want to end it here. You know, you don't want to go back 
to Carolina, even though you would feel comfortable going back to Carolina uh, at home, you still wouldn't want to do that just because you never know with a game seven what will happen. Any other final thoughts here on Rangers, Canes, Chaz? I'm very excited for uh, this series, and I think it's exciting because it's one of the last ones of the semifinals, Steve-O. It is the last series going on, actually, after last night. Yep, it is. It is. Um, so moving right along here, uh, the final series that just ended last night, Colorado, the Blues, and listen, Chubbs, I know you and me love a good underdog story. And in that case, you guys know who we were pulling for. But again, this just shows you, and it was good effort too. Good effort by the Blues, you know, of course, especially coming into game five, you know, game five was, was a great game. Uh, you know, you can give us in a more entertaining game. But again, to me, uh, Colorado was the better team. And I knew they, I knew they were going to win, um, but they're just so strong times. Steve, did the Blues lose game six? <sighs> yes and no. I just think that when we take a look at it, I think we got the best, we got one of the best games in the series from Rousseau. I think he was much better. He made a lot of clutch saves, but Colorado was just so explosive. And listen, that's what they do. And even though uh, McKinnon kind of got neutralized here in, in game six, that just goes and plays into their depth. They didn't really need, excuse me, they didn't really need McKinnon coming out and performing like he did in the series. And they didn't really, they didn't need um, Blandiskog either. Landeskog, um, um, of course, these guys took a seat last night and some of the deaf players came in and they showed you why Colorado is in to, into this position. And of course, I think the Blues did a really good job. I think they did the best, one of the best things they can um, in, in the series. And you listen, you knew it was going to be tough. And they did what they needed to, and they won the, the road game in game five, which I think was really tough. And they played a really good game last night, and it was really close. Um, but I just think when you take a look at it, Colorado got more opportunity uh, on Husserl than the Blues did um, on net. And I think I think it was 40 to 20 with the shots. You know, I think the Blues did a really, did a really good job. Um in this series but again i think that colorado has done the better job colorado didn't uh colorado did a really good job of staying out of the box and the blues really were not able to capitalize uh on the power uh on the power plays that they were given and it's defensively the avalanches are so strong chives so strong yeah i i think that the blues had the lead twice and they still lost the game. And I think that does prove that the Avalanche really were the stronger team overall. But we knew Colorado was the stronger team. I'm, I'm upset. You know, the Blues were one of my picks for an underdog. Uh, they made it a series, though, against Colorado, which I am impressed. He brought up shots on goal. And sometimes it's the simple statistics that reveal how a team kind of lost a game. And they generated enough offense to get on the board a few times, but not enough to win the game. And Darren Helm scores with under a minute left. And that's the series. I mean, we saw a few times in this postseason already where 
there was kind of a stunning loss because at that point, the Blues comeback effort is put in an extreme time window. Uh, it's really one of those goals that you say, like, that's it. You know, that was the series. So they scored under a minute left on five on five. And that's all she wrote. Colorado moves on to the conference final. It, that was, hey, listen, if you're a Blues fan, fan and you're listening, I'm sorry. That's a tough loss. Tough loss. You know, I'm not a Blues fan. We're just watching the game, just rooting for the underdog here. Keep just even, you know, rooting for some good hockey, too. I wanted to see some uh, overtime hockey. I'm not going to lie. Um, but yeah, just tough loss, tough, lo- tough loss. And I, I kind of felt that for you guys when, when watching this. And you knew once the clock turns down 30 to 20 and Colorado's taking it in the zone, you just get that feeling that something bad's going to happen. And, of course, listen, it was a great series. And I think the Blues did a really good job. But going against one of the, the – uh, or the best team out there in the West, it was tough task for them. And we said that back uh, in the last episode, in uh, episode 26. And, listen, I think the Blues – they did, they did the best they could, and, you know, if I'm a Blues fan, I'd feel confident, you know, that I won a game five, or I just feel accomplished and happy that you were able to get back to this point. Colorado, listen, they're a tough task. You know, this Edmonton-Colorado series is going to be a fun one, but Colorado is dirty, Chives. All right, well, there you go. That was our, all of our takes on round two. We'll see you tonight if round two continues. We might have a preview for game seven, Rangers, Carolina. Other than that, the next round, round three, will be starting on Tuesday. It'll be Colorado and Edmonton. And then Tampa will go again. We'll go against uh, New York or Carolina on Wednesday, depending on the winner. Game six tonight. Enjoy that game, everyone. Chives, send us away. Follow our Twitter. Follow our Instagram, PuckTalkCS underscore podcast. Subscribe to our website, and you'll get every episode in your email. If you follow us on Spotify or Apple Music, you'll get every episode as a notification like you would with new artist releases or other podcasts that you get. Please keep following along with our coverage of the conference finals. We appreciate all the uh, fan questions we get and interaction we get. And our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy tonight's game, and always remember, it's just the luck of the puck.